This is the Art of Dental Finance with Art Wiederman. Brought to you by the Academy of Dental CPAs. Whether it's taxes, investing, or planning wisely, Art is your guide to make your dental practice as profitable as possible. Here's your host, Dental CPA, Art Wiederman. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Dental Finance. I'm your host, Art Wiederman. I'm a CPA, a certified public accountant. Somebody once told me that CPA stands for cleaning, pressing, and alterations. I thought that was pretty funny, but again, that's as funny as accountant's humor gets. I'm a dental-specific CPA located in Southern California. Uh, Our CPA firm, uh, I'm a partner at HMWC CPAs and Business Advisors, represents about 250 dentists, probably close to 200 dental practices, uh, mostly in Southern California. And I am also a proud member of the National Academy of Dental CPAs, the ADCPA, which is a great organization of 24 CPA firms across the United States, of which I am one of the founding members and we're in Southern California. And we represent over 9,000 dentists. So if you're not working with a dental-specific CPA, uh, please go to our website uh, at www.adcpa.org. Well, today is a big podcast, big, huge, uh, bigger than you may have ever seen before. You think the Super Bowl is big? They only have two or three billion people that watch it. That's nothing. The Academy Awards? Not a chance to compete with what I've got for you today. Maybe the final episode of Game of Thrones, and I could never get into Game of Thrones. My wife and my kids and everybody I know did, but it's just, I don't know, you know, what can I tell you? But that was big, apparently, and um, this dwarfs it by uh, by like, you know, light years. What we're doing is uh, today, you got me, and it's Art Wiederman's 2019 year-end tax planning show. That's why I say nothing is bigger than this, because what we're going to do here is we're going to save you money. You can't save money watching the Super Bowl unless you bet on the right team. And you can't save money watching the Academy Awards or Game of Thrones, but you can save money here. And I'm going to try and do what I can, ladies and gentlemen, to increase the federal deficit as much as I possibly can. Not that it needs any help. We are Sadly, at close to $22 trillion of debt that will more than likely never re- never be repaid, certainly not in my lifetime or my, my children's lifetime. Uh, that's another conversation for another day. But we're going to talk about what we can do. This show is being recorded in mid-November of 2019, and it will go up uh, in mid-November. And uh, get a pad of paper and a pencil and take some notes. And we're going to talk about kind of what's going on in the tax world, what you should be doing with your CPA, uh, and you should be working, as I said, Mr. Broken Record here, with a dental CPA who can help you find all the different tax write-offs. Now, in one hour, we can't do every single little thing that's in the tax code. The tax code is a pretty big uh, document or many documents, but we're going to hit the highlights. But before I do that, let me give you some information. Uh, If you want to get a hold of me in my office in Tustin, California, that number is 714-259-0505. 
excuse me, if you want to look at all of our prior podcasts and our website for our CPA firm, go to www.hmwccpa.com. Go to the resources tab and then go to podcasts and all of our podcasts. We are quickly approaching one year of this journey. Uh, they will all be there, all the different topics. And that's, again, that's the beauty of the podcast. You can listen when you want, where you want, and on what topic you want. Uh, so again, you know, you want to Gmail, if you want to Gmail me, let's try that one more time. If you would like to contact me via email, I'm at artweederman at gmail.com. You have a question, we'll, you know, bring it up on the air if it's appropriate, or I'll just be able to answer it for you. And again, like I mentioned earlier, if you're looking for a dental specific CPA, go ahead and take a look at our website, which is www.adcpa.org. And uh, click on the map. You'll be able to find the dental CPA firm in your area. If it's Southern California, that would be me. We are uh, represent most of Southern California. We Again, we have a wonderful firm in San Diego. And San Diego is technically considered Southern California. So I wanted to make that differentiation. So let's start talking about tax planning. Now, tax planning is very important because the law doesn't require you, but it allows you to pay the minimum amount of, and we're talking here, federal income tax, the minimum amount of federal income tax pursuant to the Internal Revenue Code. Now, the Internal Revenue Code is part of the federal law. And uh, if you have trouble sleeping, just Google Internal Revenue Code and start reading. Uh, It starts with Section 1, which talks about the tax rates and everything, and it goes up to, I think there's about 10,000 sections, literally. It's it's huge. It has to cover everything in life. So, um, you know, that's what takes care of tax law. And tax law is pretty much made by Congress. Not pretty much. It is made by Congress. So let's think about where we are and where we've come from. So, and again, folks, As you know from before, I do not make political comments. I will only bring up political parties or names of people as it relates to how the tax law is formulated. So right now, we are under a Republican president. We have a Democratic House of Representatives, and we have a Republican majority in the United States Senate, which means that neither party has a majority. So we did have all Republican House of Representatives, Senate, and Presidency up until last November when the Democrats took over the House in the elections of the midterms. So President Trump and the Republicans were able to pass uh, the Tax Reform Act, uh, the 2017 Tax Reform Act, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017. It was enacted in the last two weeks of 2017. And it cut tax rates to historic lows. Now, um, again, whether we, uh, there is talk of impeachment of our president at this moment, whether that happens or not, you will still have a Republican in the White House up until at the very, uh, at the very earliest, January 20th of 2021. What does that mean? Again, we will have a Republican president. We will have a Democratic House and a Republican Senate. 
And what that means, ladies and gentlemen, is it means that the tax law that is in effect for 2019, which is what we're going to talk about now, will also be in effect for 2020. And it will probably be in effect for some part of 2021. Now, again, if President Trump is reelected or we end up with a, uh, if you will, a mixed bag in uh, the Congress, you know, Republican or Democrat, you're probably not going to see a whole lot of changes. So if you are going to do any kind of tax planning as far as taking income in, uh, that could be selling your dental practice, that could be selling a piece of real estate, that could be taking larger distributions from your individual retirement account or your qualified profit sharing plan or defined benefit plan. What that means, folks, is that you probably want to generate that income in either 2019 or 2020. And the reason I say that is that if we do have a Democratic president and a Democratic Congress in 2021, which would be uh, January 20th, uh, I think uh, I think Congress takes office right around the 1st and the president, if it was a Democratic president, would be inaugurated January 20 of 2021. Um Generally, they don't walk in there on the first day and say, okay, the tax law is changing. It takes several months. And the Democrats have indicated that tax rates will go up for higher income people. Uh, and that is what they're going to do. We don't know if they get in what they're going to do. So that's why I am telling my clients that if you have a significant taxable event that you think is going to happen in the next one to two to three years uh, from a tax standpoint, not necessarily from a financial standpoint, you might consider generating that event if you have any control over it in either 2019 or 2020. Again, no intention of getting into any politics. Everything I say is, is this is what it is. So that's what I want you to be thinking about. And again, if you have a significant deduction that you're looking at, if you don't need it in 2019 or 2020, uh, and it's pretty flexible, like uh, let's say, for example, maybe you're going to make a significant donation to your alma mater's um, endowment fund or their building fund or something like that. Charity is a good example here. Again, if we have a Democratic president and Congress, uh, you're probably going to see rates go up. So that deduction will be worth more if the tax rates go up. So it's a math problem like I always talk about. So with that in mind, let's start with some basics on taxes. Uh, I want to explain, and this is really important to understand, the difference between a marginal tax rate and an effective tax rate. Now, everybody, they say to me, well, I'm in a 60% tax bracket, or I'm in a 50% tax bracket, or I'm in a 30% tax bracket. Well, right now, folks, I'm going to tell you what tax bracket that you're in. So we got two different ways to evaluate your tax bracket. The first one is called your marginal tax bracket. Now, for 100 years, as long as we've had taxes, I think it's a, I think it was 1914, so 105 years, I guess, uh, we have what's called a progressive tax system. And what does that mean? That means that the more money you make, the higher the tax rate is and the higher the taxes you pay. Now, my complaint has always been 
that uh, if I am Michael Jordan or Warren Buffett or Bill Gates, um, I should be allowed to have my own lane on the freeway because I'm paying for more government services and I should be um, you know, allowed to vote 37 times as opposed to the average person who's maybe paying much less tax. But, uh, you know, and then I woke up and <laughs> that's not how it works. Uh, we all get equal access to government services, but in a progressive tax system, uh, the people that make more money pay more money. So your marginal tax bracket means that uh, when we calculate your taxes, you you basically have your income from your dental practice and your capital gains and any income from rental real estate. We subtract from that what we call adjustments to income. And those are things like um, self-employed health insurance and your uh, self-employed retirement plan if you're not incorporated and alimony if you have to pay alimony. Uh, and uh, that brings us down to adjusted gross income, which is a very important number, which we're going to talk about here. Then from adjusted gross income, we take itemized deductions, and then you have taxable income after that. We no longer have personal exemption deductions. Those went away in 2018. So now we compute our tax, and this is your marginal tax bracket. So let's assume that you have a taxable income of $100,000. You will, and, and and all the numbers I give you today are going to be from married filing joint. That does not mean that I am discriminating against single or head of household. It's just that uh, if we read all those numbers for the different things I'm going to talk to you about today, it would take three hours. So for a married couple, if you have taxable income of $100,000, you're in a 22% marginal rate. That means that when you earn dollar $100,001, that $100,000 and first, that next dollar is going to be taxed at 22%. So your marginal rate is the rate of tax that you pay for every additional dollar of income. So let me go through the marginal rates real quick. For the first $19,400 of taxable income, you're paying 10%. From $19,400 to $78,950, you're paying 12%. From $78,950 to to 321,450, 24%, 321,450 to 408,200, 402,200 to 4, I'm sorry, to 652,350 is 35%. And the highest marginal rate for anybody whose taxable income is over 652,350, that is 37%. These are, folks, the lowest tax rates that you're ever going to see. The other cool thing is that everybody would be in these marginal rates and they would all say, oh, well, I'm subject to the alternative minimum tax. Well, for the most part, the alternative minimum tax under the current tax law is no longer an issue for dentists because they significantly raise the exemption. Uh, and uh, there's no way that, that I, ha- I have seen, I think we did one tax return in 2018 where a doctor was subject to the AMT. So, these are your real rates, and they're very, very cool. And and the fact of the matter is, is that many of my clients fall in taxable income between seventy eight nine fifty and three twenty one four fifty. That's where they fall. Uh, twenty two to twenty four percent. That's very, very cheap tax dollars. Now, 
So that's the marginal rate. So if you are making, if your taxable income is $250,000 and you say to me, all right, I'm going to sell, um, uh, I, I'm going to uh, generate an ordinary income item. I'm going to get a bonus uh, of $100,000. So I'm at 250. Now I'm going to go to 350. How does that work? Well, remember the marginal rate. So for the 250, from 250 to 321, 450. So that's 71, 450. You'll pay 24%. And then from 321, 450 to 350, that's my $100,000 bonus. Uh, I'm going to pay 32%. So obviously in a, in a tax planning situation, when you're planning your distributions from your retirement plans or how much money you're going to make from your dental practice, we want to keep you below uh, that next highest marginal rate. So I want you to be in the 24% because again, if I keep your income under 321, um, you're not going to get to the 32 and every additional dollar is a 32. And that's a big jump is 8%. Now, your effective tax rate is another conversation that we have to have. If your taxable income is $200,000 and you pay, uh, let's say you pay $40,000 in federal tax by using all these marginal rates. Because remember, some of your income is taxed at 10, some is at 12, some is at 22, some is at 24. If you have 200,000 of taxable income, 20% of that is 40,000, then you are in an effective tax rate of 20%. That's probably more realistic to say what tax, what's my tax rate? It's the, it's the, the amount of, the percentage by taking the amount of actual tax divided by the amount of your taxable income. And for most of our clients, that's going to fall between 15 and 22, 23%. Now, obviously, if you are a um, high-earning, multi-practice owner uh, making $2 million a year, that marginal rate is uh, very likely to be higher than 22, could be 24, 25, up to, I've seen as high as 30 Again, the more money you have in the 37% rate, the more your tax is going to be. So that's marginal and uh, effective. So what we want to do, folks, is when you're sitting down with your accountant and you're planning and you say, well, I'm thinking about making a $50,000 charitable deduction. We'll get to that in a second. How is that going to affect me? If I'm in the 12% bracket this year, but next year my practice is going to explode because I got a big marketing plan coming out. Uh, and I've started doing some new procedures in my practice, or I'm getting a lot of new patients, I guess that's the effect of a marketing plan, then we might want to hold on to that because I don't want that deduction 12%. That also goes for uh, you folks that have either built out a new office or expanded. You know, let's say you start up a practice. And when you start up a practice in Southern California, it costs about a half a million bucks. Now, that depends on a gazillion things. Don't sit there and send me an email and say, all right, I built my office for $250,000. Well, maybe you did. But in, in my town, when you look at leasehold improvements, equipment, et cetera, it's about, you know, four to $500,000. Well, if I'm just starting out or I'm not making a lot of money, I don't want to take those deductions in 2019. I want to spread them out. So I might not take the bonus depreciation. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. So these rates are very under, important to understand. If you're in a low bracket this year, what do you want to do? Accelerate your income and put off your deductions. If you're in a high bracket this year, but maybe you're going to retire next year. Um, we had a doctor that was in the office the other day that he sold his practice. He's going to have a million dollars of taxable income this year. Well, that's good for him. We like that. He sold his practice. He got a good price. 
but then next year he's going to have virtually nothing. Well, we're going to basically accelerate our deductions into this year and push other income off into next year when he's in a much lower bracket. Okay, let's talk about capital gains here for a minute. So a capital gain is the sale of a capital asset. Now, for uh, for all of us, I mean, capital assets can be pretty much any uh, anything, but for the most part, in my world and in your world, here's what capital gains are. Capital gains are the sales of stocks or bonds or mutual funds or securities. Uh, they're the sale of real estate. Uh, those are generally the things and the sale of goodwill or uh, in your dental practice is long-term capital gain. So when we're talking about capital gains, capital gains are taxed at a much more favorable rate. Uh, some of the democratic, again, not a political comment, a fact, some of the democratic um, uh, contenders are talking about raising the capital gains rate. They don't think it's fair that if you earn income, you're taxed at 37%, but if you generate capital from investments, you're taxed at a much lower rate. So there's a real trick here, folks, that you can play with. For the first $78,750 of taxable income, you have zero Yes, that's zero. If any of you ever watched the movie Animal House, and it's one of my favorites of all time, John Belushi, the late John Belushi, who was uh, Mr. Blutowski, was in the principal's office, and they were reading off the grade point averages, and his grade point average was 0.0. Well, that's what this is, 0.0 tax. So, for example, let's say... You bought a practice. I mean, you you started a practice. You maybe you made a hundred, hundred fifty thousand as an associate. You start a practice. You get all these write offs. Well, we can play with your income. We can play with the depreciation deductions. We can take some bonus. We can take some one seventy nine. We can take fifty percent instead of a hundred percent bonus. We can get your taxable income to whatever we want. So let's say we can get your taxable income down to twenty thousand dollars, and you're married. Well, and let's say that. Grandma left you some Apple stock. God bless grandma. I need a grandma like that. My mother left me all of her debts. That's what she put in her will. No, I'm just kidding. That's what she just told me. That's not what was in her will, but that's what she told me just to annoy me. And she did a good job. Mom, I love you. Let you rest in peace. So, um, you know, let's say we're at $20,000 and grandma gave you, you know, Apple stock, a half a million dollars, she left you in her will. She just tied or, or an aunt or something like that. So if your taxable income is 20 and this limit for 0% is 78, I can sell Apple stock with a gain of up to $58,750 and pay 0% tax. So you want to talk to your accountant about that. Can we get into the 0% tax bracket? It's a nice little trick. Now, for those of you who are not there, taxable income from $78,750 to $488,850, you will pay a 15% tax. So maybe you've sold your practice this year and we're selling goodwill, which is long-term capital gain. Do we want to do some charitable giving? These are things that we need to talk about, folks, in tax planning. Very important. Okay. And over $488,850, we're talking about 20%. Uh, capital gains rate. Now, if you sell something for a loss, let's say, again, I had a doctor who was in the other day. He's got 600000 of capital gain from the sale of Goodwill. He called me up. He says, I've got $40,000 of losses. If you sell stock at a loss, you cannot buy it back. 
for at least 31 days. I would wait 32 just to be safe because that's called a wash sale. So you sell, uh, you sell stock that's gone down, you buy it back in 20 days, uh, the brokerage will put it as a wash sale and you will not get that deduction. Okay. All right. Let's talk about some other places that we can save some taxes. The biggest place, quite frankly, folks, is in your business. It's in your dental practice. So you have a dental practice. You are incorporated. You're a sole proprietor. You're a C-corp. You're an S-corp. You're a partnership. You're an LLC. doesn't matter. Your income is based on the cash basis. So money in minus money out equals money left. So if you gross a million dollars, and you pay expenses of 675,000 you have income of 325 so how do we get this down maybe we want to cut your taxes get you down from the 32% bracket to the 24% bracket that's what we want to do so what i will tell you that you should not do that and i have clients that do this and i tell them not to do this but there's only so much i can do you do not, I repeat, do not want to take the last two or three weeks of gross receipts that comes in and stick them in a drawer and deposit them January 2nd. It's a great way to cut your income, folks. You might have sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000, but you don't want to do that because if you get audited in an IRS audit, the first day of the two-day audit is a gross receipts reconciliation. The IRS will find it and they will add it to your income. It's very annoying. So what you can do in your dental practice is you can defer the billing. So let's say that you normally bill, send out billing statements on the 15th of December. You could choose to send them out on the 27th of December. uh, And then you're not going to get paid on those bills until January of 2020. That is 100% grade A, perfectly legal. You can do that all day long. Now, what else can we do? We're cash basis. We can pay expenses. You can pay January's rent. You can pay your lab ahead. You can pay your dental supplies ahead. Uh, you can pay your CPA ahead. That's always appreciated, folks. That's that's nice. You know, we, we like that. And uh, all your other expenses you can pay ahead because you're cash basis, which means that when you write the check, you get the deduction. So that's really important to know that you that you can go ahead and do that. Now, let's talk about some other things we can do in your practice before the end of the year. Number one, you can buy a car or you can lease a car. So buying a car, uh, and there's this little quirky thing in the law, uh, which is the over 6,000 pound deduction. So if you buy an automobile that is more than 6,000 pounds Gross vehicle weight, GVW. It is in the owner's manual. I want to see that in the owner's manual. And there's lists on the internet of which cars qualify. I mean, there's no doubt, for example, a Chevy Tahoe is going to qualify. Uh, that that thing weighs about 100,000 pounds. I mean, it's huge. But those types of SUVs will qualify. A Suburban will qualify. Those types of cars. There's actually a couple of, I think, one or two Tesla models that qualify. So you can buy this car if it's over 6,000 pounds, you then claim your business use. So let's talk about that for a second. Business usage is something that you will have to justify to the IRS. Now, generally, going to and from work is not deductible. Um, that's That's a big issue. But if you drive to the lab and you drive to CE and you drive to see your accountant and you drive to see referral sources or patients or what have you, that driving is deductible. 
Uh, pigs get fat. Hogs get slaughtered, ladies and gentlemen. You don't want to take 100% of your car. Nobody uses their car 100% unless you actually buy a car, leave it at the office, and drive it from the office to wherever you're going to go. And I have never in 35 years met anybody that does that. But the car deduction is significant. If it's over 6,000 pounds, you can write off 100% of the car. So, for example, in the year you place it in service. So, December 28th, you go out and you buy a Suburban for $50,000. I don't know what they cost, but let's just say $50,000. And you use it 70% for business. You would get a $35,000 bonus depreciation write-off subject to S-corporation basis. And I want to bring this up right now. All of this for tax planning and tax deductions, if you're an S-corporation and ask your accountant, if you're going to buy a big piece of equipment, which we're going to talk about next, or you're going to buy this 6,000-pound car, you must call your accountant and you must say to your accountant, accountant, do I have sufficient S-corporation basis to take this deduction? If your accountant says, I don't know what you're talking about, then you need to go to the www.adcpa.org and find one of us at the ADCPA because we live and breathe this stuff. So it's very important if you don't have S-corporation basis and you buy a $50,000 car at the end of the year, uh, you could end up not getting that deduction, planning it all out, and then you'll be very, uh, very upset. What else can we do in the practice? Well, we can buy equipment, and this is huge. So, Let's say that you decide you want to buy a CEREC machine, $135,000. You want to buy a digital x-ray, which is anywhere from twenty-five to $75,000. One of the other things that I learned is that all of you, all of us in the accounting profession, pretty much anybody who uses a Windows operating system, it is my understanding uh, that as of January 14th, 2020, uh, Microsoft will no longer support anything other than Windows, the new Windows 10. And I'm talking to clients who are having to spend ten to $30,000 for new computers, new software, new this, new that. I'm not a computer guy. I can barely turn my computer on. But if you're going to have to do this before the end of the year, get it done before the end of the year. Very important that you understand that equipment has to be placed in service, not just paid for. So if your equipment rep calls you up and says, hey, Joe, we've been talking about this, uh, you know, that the Democrats are going to get in, the laws are going to change right now. They're really good. Let's get this done now. Um, just just write the first check and we'll, we'll install it in January. That will not work. The equipment must be installed, must be ready for use, what's called placed in service. Very, very important that that is done. That's another thing. If you're building out a new dental office, ladies and gentlemen, what you might want to think about doing is if you've spent 200000 on equipment, that's you know chairs, units, digital x-ray, look at your tax liability. Maybe you place part of those units and chairs in service the week between Christmas and New Year's and the rest of it the first week of January. That is perfectly legal, absolutely legal. I will go to the mat for you on that one, I promise. So these are the things you need to talk to your CPA about. Um, so you can buy this equipment. You know, you you place a CEREC machine in, in service on the 29th of December. Uh, again, if you're an S corporation, you need basis. If you're a um, if you're a limited liability company, partnership, sole proprietor, 
you will automatically get basis and you will be able to write them off assuming that you are personally liable or you paid for the, the unit out of your own money. But if you're an S-corp, you've got to have basis in the unit. And that's something that, you know, again, we can talk about. You could get $135,000 write-off. Uh, we had one of our doctors who bought one of these units and it was that amount of money. And we literally played with the taxable income. It took more of our time. But we were able to take a significant amount of that deduction and push it into the next year when they had their best year ever. And in the current year, they weren't doing as well, and they wouldn't have gotten as much of a benefit based on the uh, marginal rates I talked about earlier. So dental equipment, furnishing and fixtures, furniture and fixtures, uh, all these things are definitely things that you want to be thinking about before the end of the year. That's the conversation that we always have in our year-end meetings. And, and by the way, let me take a step back for a second. Folks, we work very, very hard in our office as do all of our ADCPA members to make sure that every single client is contacted and, and has a year-end meeting. Some have year-end meetings, some do mid-year meetings. It just depends on the CPA. Uh, we do uh, a projection in January, we, uh, for most of our clients, we, we at least try and get a hold of them and we try and do a mid-year review. Sometimes it's not necessary because we kind of, we kind of know that they're about where we thought they were going to be. And then we do a very detailed projection for every single client at the end of the year. And if your accountant is not meeting with you before the end of the year, folks, give one of us a call. Give me a call. This is what we do. We work very, very hard. My life in November and December is not mine. I've got meetings coming out of my ears, uh, literally. I mean, uh, I was talking to one of our ADCPA members and he's got, he told me he's got 120 meetings between November 1 and December 31st. And I go, Oh my goodness, you just, uh, your head's going to explode. And it, it's tough, but that's the, that's what we do. So we talked about auto meals, entertainment folks. The, those rules changed. Entertainment no longer deductible. Football games, basketball games, that kills me because I love those. No longer deductible. Meals to take out your referral sources and everything, 50%. So when you do your Quicken or your QuickBooks or you send your stuff to the accountant, make sure you break out meals from entertainment. Because if you lump them all together and you call it entertainment, the accountant is not going to write them off because they're not deductible. Very important to think about. So we talked about that. We talked about S-corporation basis. That's a lot of stuff we can do in the practice for the end of the year. Again, just look at where you're at, plan your income and expenses accordingly because you do control a bunch of it. Okay, let's talk about itemized deductions for a minute. Now, for years, everybody would be itemizing their deductions because you live in California, you live in New York, you live in Ohio, you live in a high-tax state, Illinois, uh, you live in these high tax states and you're paying twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars or more in state income tax. Well, they changed that with the 2017 Tax Act. Uh, you are now allowed to deduct, and this includes state income taxes, real estate taxes, and auto licenses, no more than ten thousand dollars in what they call the SALT deduction, state and local taxes. Uh, that was very, very upsetting to the people in California, in New York, in Illinois, in the high tax states, because that absolutely hurt. Now, it didn't hurt as much with the repeal of the alternative minimum tax, but it did hurt. So 
There's no reason we used to tell our clients, we used to say, oh, just make sure you prepay all your state income tax before the end of the year. Well, you don't need to do that anymore, folks. You're going to probably be at $10,000. There's no reason to prepay your real estate taxes before the end of the year. Now, if you live in a state and there's nine states in this country that do not have a state income tax uh, and you have a, you know, you have a small real estate tax, 5000 3000 a year, if you do, I hate you because the state's taxes are very high. Texas is very high. Uh, most of the states that don't have a state income tax have a higher property tax, real property tax, because that's how they have to pay for stuff. Uh, so if you're under 10000 you might want to double pay your real estate taxes. That's something to think about. So 10000 in the SALT deductions. Let's talk about the mortgage interest deduction. Mortgage interest is still there. It will always be there, but they have cut it back. Under the Tax Act of 2017, starting with any mortgage that was taken out to purchase, improve, or significant, uh, uh, to, to buy, build, or significantly improve a principal residence, um, it used to be that you could take interest on a debt of up to a million dollars for any debt after that was taken out to purchase, um, build or significantly improve a residence, that is now uh, 750000 Now, if you have a debt that was taken out before December 15th of 2017, you are grandfathered and you get the million dollars. But if you had any home equity debt, that is no longer deductible. Home equity debt used to be up to $100,000. So you got a million one, don't have that anymore. So no home equity debt allowed. Now, the standard deduction has doubled, folks, and there's some real opportunities here. Uh, If you are a doctor who lives in, uh, it doesn't matter what state you live in, you're limited to $10,000 on your salt. Maybe your house is paid off. And again, when I talk about how much you give to charity, charity, charitable giving is a very, very personal, spiritual thing. And I, I do not ever comment about how much or how little my clients give. All I say is, if you gave an extra 50000 this is what it saves you in taxes. So let's say that you don't give. Maybe you give 2000 a year. So your total deductions are really going to be, they're going to be 10000 for the SALT deduction, state local taxes, nothing for home mortgage interest because your house is, is free and clear, and then maybe $2,000 for charitable donations. So you have a total of 12000 So what does that mean? That means you're going to get a standard deduction. And the standard deduction is uh, is going to be twenty four thousand. I mean, it's twenty four thousand um, dollars. It's actually twenty four thousand four hundred dollars for a married couple for two thousand nineteen. So, if you say to me, Art, I want to give a thousand dollars additional to my church, I'm going to say, not going to help you. But let's say you, you know, I had. <laughs> here's a perfect example. Um, the uh, University of Southern California Trojans play football in the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. The Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum and USC are going through, a, just went through a significant remodel, uh, basically building luxury boxes, which is what all stadiums do these days is to generate revenues. So I had a client who called me up and he said, Art, um, I want to give, uh, you know, I'm giving $50,000. I'm going to give it 10000 a year for five years. I said, no, you're not. 
He says, why? And I said, because if you give it a 10,000, your house is paid for, you get the salt deduction, you will get no benefit. I want you to do it all in 2018. And that's exactly what we did. Actually, we did in 2017 because that deduction went away. But the example is of the bunching of the deduction. So let's say we're talking that you want to give $50,000 to your church's um, building fund. Well, you don't want to give 10000 a year for five years because you won't get a deduction. Give the whole 50000 now so we go over the standard deduction of twenty four four, and then we get a tax benefit. Again, if you have 10000 in home mortgage in, in, in the state and local taxes and you have no home mortgage interest in 2000 in donations and you give 10000 a year and you're married, now you're at 20, 22000 and your standard deduction is you get no tax benefit because you get the higher of the standard or the itemized. So you want to talk to your accountant about bunching your charitable contributions. Very, very important thing to do. Um, if you're over 65 or you're blind, you add $2,600 for married filing jointly. Now, here's what this standard deduction is really cool for. Paying our children. Now, we, I personally believe that that our children should pay us for the privilege of raising them, but... Um, they don't quite see it that way, but, you know, it is what it is, folks. So let's say you have children that work in the office. Now, they could be working over the summer. They could be working at home, stuffing marketing envelopes. They could be helping you with social media. I mean, uh, several years ago, I have a very, very dear friend. My friend David Aronson is a clinical psychologist. We've been friends for 25 years. Um, he has a son. His son is now, I think, almost 30 but when he was 12, the, this kid, uh, Neil, was a brilliant, brilliant uh, kid. He's still brilliant, but he was brilliant back then. So I actually hired him to help me do my PowerPoint presentations because I'm worthless on PowerPoint. And he did a, a job that an adult would be uh, proud of. So our kids know so much about this social media and Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and YouTube and all this stuff that happens out there. Why not pay them to help you with your social media? We can pay our children up to $12,200. That's the standard deduction for single people. And they won't pay a dime. So let's say you pay your son, your 15-year-old son, $10,000 for a service that you might have paid to a marketing company, helping to set up your website, helping to set up your social media, uh, all these things that you need done. Uh, I'd rather pay my kid than, than to pay somebody else if they can do as good of a job, and many of them can. So you get a $10,000 deduction. Maybe you're in a 32% federal, 8% state, 40% deduction, uh, a 40% bracket, and your child pays no tax. So think about it this way. You pay $10,000, you get a 40% deduction, so that saves you 4000 in tax, and on the other side, your child gets that money. And they pay nothing, 0.0, folks, right? So you just saved $4,000 and we got your your son or daughter $10,000. Maybe that money goes into a college fund. Maybe it goes into a Roth IRA, who knows? Those are the things that we want to talk about. So those are the business, um, The those are the deductions for itemized deductions. The rest of the time, I want to talk about a couple of things. And the, the main thing that I really want to talk to you about is I want to talk to you about the, um, the retirement plans in section 199A. So you are allowed this year to set up a retirement plan. It's another thing you can do in your practice. 
Um, if you don't have a retirement plan, it's too late in November to set up a simple IRA. Those have to be set up by October 1st. Uh, but for next year, if you want to set one up, you certainly could. And you can defer from your salaries $13,000 a year, 16000 if you're over 50. But if you don't have a retirement plan and you want to set one up before the end of the year, you can. A profit sharing plan with a 401k. So here's what we can do. We can put uh, we can go ahead and, and set up the profit sharing plan. The maximum you can put into profit sharing for this year is $56,000, of which 19000 is a 401k, and the rest is going in for profit sharing. If you have a big income this year, maybe you put more into your retirement plan or maybe you set up a retirement plan. You have until the due date of your tax return, including extension. So for many of my clients, we just finished the October 15th deadline. They finished funding their retirement plan either September 15th or October 15th, and they got a big deduction. So that's another thing you can do in your practice is set up or fund a retirement plan. One of the great strategies I use with doctors that are three to five years out from retirement who are doing really well at their peak earning years is we'll set up a defined benefit plan. And we'll fund it maybe $100,000, 125000 a year if they have the money for three or four years. And set the formula so that in year three or four, when they sell and they get a big hit of income, we can dump a bunch of that income in. We did that with a specialist, uh, with a couple of specialists this year. Uh, one of them, we put in 155000 for three years, and then we knew he was going to sell, and he got about three seventy going into the plan, and we really deferred taxes. Remember, you don't permanently save taxes. You defer them. So please look at a qualified retirement plan. So- In the time we have left, we're going to talk about the Section 199A deduction, which is huge for dental practice owners, as well as the child tax credit. So the magic numbers that I want you to remember for 2019, we want to try, if at all possible, to get your taxable income. Now, this is, remember, we talked about taxable income is gross income minus adjustments minus itemized deductions. Under $321,450, that's indexed from three fifteen dollars from 2018, $321,450. If you are a C corporation, you can go take a potty break because I can't help you with the 199A. The 199A deduction is the 20% pass-through deduction that was passed in conjunction with dropping the big corporation's tax rates from 35 to 21%. So, Let's assume that you are a sole proprietor and you earn $200,000 and you do a retirement plan and you do self-employed health insurance and we have these deductions and and the number is 150,000, okay? So you have 150,000 of what's called qualified business income Uh, and your taxable income for whatever reason is $200,000. As long as your taxable income is under th- the three hundred twenty-one four fifty, I can get you a deduction that's the lesser of twenty percent of your taxable income, which is two hundred thousand times twenty percent is forty thousand, or twenty percent of your net practice income called your qualified business income, which is thirty thousand dollars. It is a huge deduction. We play with taxable incomes all the time. Now, here's the tax tip I want for you S-Corporation shareholders, and there's lots of you out there, especially in California, where they don't let you practice as an LLC. If you're an S-Corporation, 
you do not want to take all of your income as salary. So let's say you're an S corporation and let's say that you earn $300,000 from your dental practice and your CPA says, oh, just take the whole $300,000 in salary. Well, all you have to do as an S corporation is take what's called a reasonable salary. What's a reasonable salary for a dentist? Uh, I will tell you that if you go to work for one of the large national chains of dental practices, they're going to pay somewhere between 120 and 180,000 a year. It's probably closer to the 180, but let's say 150. So if I take the 300,000 in my S corporation as salary, number one, the difference between the 300 and the 150 is 150,000. I'm going to pay through basically it's 2.9%. Let's just say 3% of unnecessary Medicare tax. So 3% of 150 is 4,500. In addition, I get zero write-off for the 199A deduction. If on the other hand, I pay myself a salary of 150,000 a year, which for most of you is going to be enough to maximize your retirement plan contribution, you have to check with your administrator. But if you do this 150,000 and then you take 150,000 as distributions from your plan, from your practice to you personally, then you will have qualified business income of 150,000. And just like my example I gave a minute ago, you would get a $30,000 deduction for qualified business income. So you're going to save $4,500 in Medicare tax. And you're going to have a $30,000 deduction. And let's just assume that you're in a federal tax bracket of uh, 24%. That's $7,200. So $7,200 plus 4500 is $11,700 that you just saved in federal income tax, $11,700 by just changing your salary from $300,000 to $150,000. 100% legal, 100% audit proof as far as I'm concerned. Now, if you take a deduction, if you take a salary of $10,000, folks, on an income of three hundred, I cannot promise you that it is uh, audit proof. In fact, that's probably not audit proof. Uh, you need to take a reasonable salary. So what we want to do is we want to get our taxable income under 321450 How do we do that? We put the retirement plan in. We buy more equipment. We put the kids on the payroll. We do all these things so that what we do is we can literally play with the retirement contribution so that we get you right to that limit. Because if you're at the 321, that's where you get the biggest bang for your buck. I had uh, a doctor that we got almost a $60,000 deduction. It was really, really cool. I like doing that. Uh, you guys like a big case with all kinds of ebbs and flows. I like to save money for our ta- uh, for our clients and in, in taxes. Now, the other thing that we need to talk about on the 199A deduction is real estate. Now, there's been big controversy about whether real estate qualifies. Is it a trade or business? And remember, you as a dentist are what's called a specified services business, uh, a specified services trader business. You're special. Uh, Not because you're a dentist and everybody loves you. I wish it were that way. Or I'm an accountant. I wish it were that way. But because the government has always erred on the side of saying professional people 
we're going to put the screws to you. That's the God's honest truth. I don't like it. You don't like it. Nobody likes it, but that's what they've done. And uh, until they come up with a better system, that's the way, uh, uh, you know, that's that's the way it's going to be. So the, the specified services income trader business is the 321. We want to keep our taxable income underneath that number. So on the real estate part, you know, is that a trader business? Well, there are literally thousands of court cases out there that talk about the fact that real estate is a trader business. So here's the deal. If you own real estate, folks, if you own it under a triple net lease, you want to change that to a full service gross lease. If all you're doing is collecting rent and that's all you show and there's no expenses for um, maintenance, repairs, cleaning, taxes, insurance, raise the rents and charge the and, and pay those expenses yourself. You will get the 199A deduction. There are safe harbors for real estate, which you have to be an MIT graduate to figure out. We don't use them. We have taken the position that most all of our real estate, unless it's under a triple net lease, qualifies. Now, the regulations that came out, they brought out regulations on this in January of 2019. I have nothing to do in January of 2019. Folks, I just go to the beach and play golf all the time. And same for February and March. That was sarcasm, by the way. Uh, we're real busy. And they brought these 184 pages of regulations out. They basically said that um, you, if you own your dental office and you rent it to your um, you personally own it or you own it in an LLC. And by the way, if you don't own it in an LLC, you need to own it in an LLC for liability reasons. So you rent your dental office to your professional corporation or to your LLC dental practice. Um, you, you want to, the, the, the regulations basically said that we are, um, that, that it rises to the level of a trader business. So we don't have to worry about any of the, safe harbor rules or anything, it rises to the level of a trader business because you are using it in your business and they they consider that trader business. However, it is uh, subject to the $321,000 of taxable income limit. So again, doctors, if you're renting your suite to your practice and you're having the practice pay all the expenses, raise the rent, add in all of the expenses so let's say you were paying, it was 4000 a month in rent and the practice was paying everything, the taxes, the insurance, the repairs, the cleaning, et cetera. So now what I want you to do is I want you to raise your rent to 5000 a month and then I want you personally to pay those expenses. You end up exactly in the same place financially as you did when you were getting 4000 because it's all the same pot. But what it does is it gives you a net income of maybe $20,000, which is qualified business income if you're under $321,500. So everything that you can do, put the kids on the payroll, set up and maximize the retirement plan, buy equipment. You know, maybe you stage your equipment purchases over two or three or four years. So every year we're buying twenty, thirty thousand, forty thousand dollars $40,000 worth of equipment. You want to do that. So the 199A deduction, Ask your accountant about it. Am I qualified for the 199A? If you are a C corporation, if you are 75 years old, don't switch to S because you might be retiring within the next five years. If you are 40 years old and you're in good health and all things considered, you're going to practice for another 20, 25 years, I would strongly urge you to look at an S corporation as a possible way of doing business. And as long as you don't sell your practice, 
within five years, then you will be able to take advantage of this. You do have to zero the corporation out in the first year because the receivables are subject to double tax. So you got to be really careful. And again, if your CPA says, looks at you like the deer in the headlights and they don't know what you're talking about, uh, give one of us at the ADCPA a call and we'll be more than happy to help you. This 199A deduction is here for 2019. It's here for 2020. Uh, depending on how the, um, uh, the, the elections in November, one year from now, go, it may go away. We don't know. We just don't know. Nobody knows what's going to happen. The last thing I want to talk to you about today is the child tax credit. And this is a huge thing. Okay, so we talked about keeping your taxable income under three hundred fifteen. I'm sorry, three hundred twenty-one thousand four hundred fifty dollars. Now I'm talking about your adjusted gross income. That's before adjustments and before itemized deductions. If you can, if you have children under the age of seventeen, and they are your dependents and they live with you, okay, you will get a child credit. Now remember, a credit is different and much better than a deduction. If I get a credit for, if I get a deduction for $1,000 and I'm in a 32% marginal tax bracket, like we were talking about earlier, that saves me $320 in taxes because I take the deduction times the tax bracket and that's what I get as a tax savings. But if I get a credit against my tax for $1,000, that saves me, drum roll please, wait for it, $1,000. So $1,000 credit is better than a $1,000 deduction any day of the week. So if I, if you have four children under the age of 17 and we can get, and your, your adjusted gross income is $420,000, folks, put the kids on the payroll, buy some equipment, because if we can get that adjusted gross income under 400000 for those four kids, that's eight thousand dollars of income tax that the government isn't getting from you we have reduced your tax liability by eight thousand dollars and that's the child tax credit wow that was a fast hour gosh i wish it went slower maybe i need to slow the clock on the recorder down uh ladies and gentlemen i hope this is helpful for you please make sure you call your cpas go go get your taxes planned out spend a couple of hours, uh, you know, honor their time. Uh, we CPAs, and I will speak for all of us, we work very, very hard. We try really hard to do the best we can for our clients, just like you do for your patients. Sit down with your CPA. If your CPA isn't giving you advice or they're not calling you or uh, they don't know what's going on or they don't understand any of this, give me a call uh, and I'll give out my information here in a second or a member of the Academy of Dental CPAs. So again, my number in Tustin, 714-259-0505, website www.hmwccpa.com. If you want to see all the past podcasts, go to the resource page, go to the podcast link, and all of them are there, including this one, which will be published in mid-November. If you want to email me, uh, you know, Art Wiederman, W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N. The state of New York spelled it wrong when I was born on my birth certificate, but they fixed it. Uh, Art Wiederman at gmail.com. And if you're looking for a dental-specific CPA anywhere in the United States of America, please give. Uh, please look up on the internet, 
uh, adcpa.org. Look at the map. Look at the members directory. Pick the member in your area. Call them. Tell them you listen to the podcast and that you want some help. You will not be sorry. Uh, I, again, want to thank all of you for the honor and privilege of being able to do this podcast. We have gotten more and more every week. I get people calling. I heard your podcast. I think it's great. I think it's wonderful. I listened to this one. I had one new client who said, oh, my God, well, in podcast number 16, I did this. And in podcast number 17, I took this advice. And I said, you need to get more hobbies or something like that. I like people listening to my podcast. You just have to do it all the time. But thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Please tell all your friends about our podcast. Uh, Please write a review. Uh, You can get our podcast through iTunes. Um, You can get it through your, obviously, through your iPhone, through your Android, through YouTube. Uh, Just Google The Art of Dental Finance. Uh, Very excited. Again, we'll have some uh, news for you, but probably before the end of the year about the podcast that we're expanding it. And uh, it's great. I can't wait. So again, folks, go to your CPA, do your tax planning. Let's save some money. Let's raise that deficit. Uh, Let's take that money so you can put it in your pocket, fund your retirement, put money away for your kid's college education, save and and, and pay down your, your credit card debt. You know how I feel about credit card debt. Pay down your home mortgage and get to financial freedom freedom so that you're going to work because you want to, not because you have to. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it for this edition of The Art of Dental Finance. That's it for today with Art Wiederman CPA. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.